So we can just about check off day one. I'm wondering how you're all doing. I haven't had a chance to really talk to people yet. One of the things that Howie and I really enjoy is when we start to meet with you and start to hear a little bit more about your experience and how things are going for you. But one thing I like to do sometimes at the beginning of a talk is just as a way to check in, I um, like to, d to do what I call a weather report. And what I like to invite people to do is just to say one word out loud, maybe kind of one at a time, if we, you know, we'll see how that goes, but um, just kind of say one word that would describe how you are or where you are. It's like, how, what would that one word be that would express your present condition, your present state? And uh, as I hear you, I will then repeat that word back so that we can hear each person, because it may be a few people say it at the same time. So just, let's just see how many people, let's hear from a few people about how, how you're doing. Where, where, what's a one word of how you are? Just call it out. Hungry. Hungry. Okay. Where was that? Who was? Yes, yeah, sore. Okay. I want to see who it is. Tired. Okay. Unspooling. Who was it? Tranquil. What else? Still. Content. Where'd that come from? Settled. Settled. What else? In transition, right? Stormy. Okay, we're getting a weather report here. Yeah. Waking up. Waking up. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Anyone else? Whatever pops up. Curious. Curious. Mm -hmm. Lonely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Is it just distracted. distracted? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Gives us a sense. Yeah, and you can you can hear the the variety of mind states there and moods. Right? People are in such different places. But really, we're all arriving here. You know, it's the first day. I like to remind people that the first day of a retreat is very much about arriving. Because you're in a very new situation. I mean, even if people have been on retreats here before, 
this is still a, a completely new configuration of people, of, of where you are in yourself, your internal condition, the external condition. It's a whole new experience here now, today. And you're going through a whole different kind of scheduling and rhythm and different food and um, different relationships with people here in the room and different ways, different things that are happening here in the room and within your own uh, meditation experience. And lots of of letting go. You know, there's a lot of things that you've let go of already today. So it's a real adjustment in being here. And so you, we, we take time for that. We can't expect that we're just going to, you know, feel so settled and grounded and present. And of course, we're, the mind will wander, we'll feel distracted, we'll feel sleepy. We'll notice lots of different changes in our, in our experiences. And yet we, we talk about arriving. You know, today is really very much about arriving but tomorrow is also about arriving. <laughs> and the next day is also about arriving. <laughs> and I th- think it's maybe one way that we can even talk about this practice is this sort of the continual arriving. And when we talk about arriving, we're talking about arriving here in this present moment. You know, this the coming back as we, we get, we do get lost, or we get distracted, we get pulled away. And so we have this practice of returning, of coming back, reconnecting again and again and again. It's so much of what our experience is, is recognizing that we've been off, that we've been lost, and then this coming back, this returning and arriving again back into this present moment, the moment, the immediacy of this here and now moment. I was interested in this word arriving because I, 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 I feel into it a lot, the sense of arriving here, coming here, back here. And um, it really comes from the, the verb to arrive. Arriving is the, is the uh, uh, ad, ad, adverb. But to arrive, and when you look at the, the definition in the dictionary, it says to reach a place at the end of a journey or a stage in the journey. And I think that's very interesting for us because in a way, sometimes we really feel like we have arrived and, the, and we can put down the bags, we can put down the luggage, we really can rest into our experience. And sometimes it feels like we're in a, arriving at, a, at the end of a stage of our experience. It's like we're, we're, we're completing something, we're, we're coming back here now. And it comes from the old French word, a, a river which means to reach the shore after a journey, to reach the shore. And that's very much what our, the, the Buddhist practice is about. It's, it's, it's often, we often hear, use the metaphor of, of crossing over to the, to the, to crossing over the water to the next shore or to uh, 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 swim across the ocean to the shore. And there's a sense of, sense of coming to um, the end or reaching the shore. And we can feel that sometimes when we settle in, we feel that settling, we feel the gathering, we feel the arriving. And I'm sure that many people here have had those moments today. 
where you could feel like it was a big out-breath and a, ah, maybe it was, it was a beautiful day today. No, just kind of, you know, very, a lot of different changes in the weather. And maybe just a moment or two in the sun, just letting the, feel the heat and the, 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 the pleasure of the sun the green grass and the wetness of the of the land right now and those of you who have been here before um, in the in the dry part of the of the year it's very 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 dry and it just very dry grass everywhere of course there's the threat of the fires then but right now it's so wet and lush and and having you know the wet in the air as well and the and and really just taking that in, letting that permeate into our skin, into our bodies, into our 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 experience, and taking that moment of arriving, arriving fully in to the moment. And those are our most happy moments. They bring happiness, they bring contentment, they bring pleasure for us. Of course, then we want them to stay and we want them all the time and then we're not so happy when they leave and we can get quite caught up in our uh, grasping around those uh, beautiful and those pleasant experiences. And then we come back to letting go of the grasping, letting go of our, of our preferences and our desires and then see if we can arrive back again right into the experience right where we are. So we're invited again and again to come to our experience where we are, even if we'd like it to be otherwise. We have some preference for it to be otherwise. Can we just be here in the fullness of whatever is here? Just like the, the, the weather report that we just had, this full range of experience. Can, can we open to it? <coughs> we long to arrive. It's a longing, it's a heart's desire, or I don't know if you'd be here on this retreat. There's something that you're pulled to, there's something that you're called to. There's a longing in the heart to rest, to put our luggage down, to put the baggage down. I have a friend who traveled in India uh, somewhat, and um, when I would talk about putting the baggage down, she thought of this phrase she said uh, when she was in India, it's like, take the baggage, take the luggage off your head because you're already on the train. And those of you who have traveled in India, you know, there's the, the, the um, uh, I forget what they're called, the, 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 the people who take your bags onto the train, and they carry them on their heads, and, and it's like we keep carrying the bags even when we're on the train. It's like, no, we can put it down now. You know, you're already on the train. You've arrived. So we want to arrive because this is where life is happening. This is where it's happening. All the rest of it is through our imagination, is made up. It's made up in our minds, our stories, our concepts about things. But we more and more learn how to come into direct experience, the direct immediacy of just what's here. There's this quote from Crowfoot, the Blackfoot hunter and warrior in 1877. This is a beautiful quote. It says, what is life? 
It is the flash of a firefly in, in the night sky. It is the breath of the buffalo in the winter time. What is life? It is the flash of a firefly in the night sky. It is the breath of a buffalo in winter time. And we're wanting to get more of a sense of that, that deep connection with, with life as, it, as it's manifesting here, now, internally and externally. These five senses of seeing and hearing and tasting and smelling and feeling this body, the body, and then the mind, and what the mind does with all of that. And so the mind can be very distracting. It can pull us away into all kinds of imaginary universes, right? alternative realities. That's what we're see, hearing a lot these days, right? These alternative realities. And what, is it, what does it mean to actually be in this reality now? So we begin our, our retreats with simplifying, becoming very simple, and maybe that's not so easy because our life is usually much more uh, complex than it is here. We're engaged in lots of different things and activities and commitments and responsibilities and uh, different conditions that, that come up in our lives. But here we really start to take a lot of things away like our cell phones, for example. We start to take things away. We take away your usual responsibilities and your uh, commitments, your relationships, um, and, and, and start to just feel more and more into the simple being of sitting and walking, eating, taking care of your body, sleeping, resting. Very, very simple. And as we do that, we also start to slow down. So really, it's, the whole body starts to regulate itself in a different way, and we are more available for our experience because we're not pulled away by so many different things. And so the, so the simplifying and the slowing down and coming more into connection, these are all very helpful in our in our in our way we structure the retreat to really support this capacity to begin to see and to sense and to feel our experience in a different way. Not in the usual way, not in the ordinary way, something that is more subtle, more connected, more engaged with the way things are. There's this... um, Little story. <clears throat> I like I like that it sort of exemplifies this. A Buddhist phones the monastery and asks the monk, "Can you come and do a blessing for my new house?" And the monk replies, "Sorry, I'm busy." And he and the person on the phone says, "What are you doing? Can I help you?" And the monk says, "I'm doing nothing." Doing nothing is a monk's core business, and you can't help me with that. So the next day, the Buddhist phones again and says, well, can you come, please, today to, to my house for a blessing? And the monk says, sorry, I'm busy. And then the person on the phone again says, well, what are you doing? And the monk says, I'm doing nothing. 
And the man says, but that's what you were doing yesterday, said the, said the person on the phone. And the monk said, correct, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> so it's a little like that, right? And yet maybe we don't have such a good relationship with doing nothing. You know, it's part of what we're, we're making this shift, this transition into doing less and then seeing what happens. What's the, what happens in, the, in our mind, in our, in our body, in our experience when we start to do less? How is that? What do we meet? What do we come into contact with? Do we come into contact with resistance? Do we come into contact with more emotion? emotional uh, uh, experiences? Do we come into contact with our mood swings, our energy swings, where we find out that we're really tired and exhausted at some times in the day, and other times we're very restless and agitated and overexcited, and, and we find ourselves swinging between these different energy uh, rhythms. And, and maybe that's something that we haven't felt quite in the same way that we're feeling it here. So we begin to open to our experience perhaps in a way that we haven't before so that we can begin to know more, uh, understand more about ourselves and what's going on here. Who am I? What is this? What is this existence all about? So we begin with establishing our attention through the body. And that's the way we begin to ground that supports uh, this, this sense of connection with the here and now moment. We began how we began with the instructions this morning to help us ground, be more present here in our experience. And using the touch points, using actual points of contact in the body where we feel our body making, sitting on the, on, the, on the cushion, on the seat, on the chair, feeling our feet on the ground, really feeling more of the solidity, the hardness, the, the sense of the real, right? We call it the real reality, this, this, this sense of present moment experience. And as we do that, through the walking meditation, through the sitting practice, with the breath, really connecting more fully with the breath in the body, feeling the body, it starts to release more of the thinking mind, the energy in the mind. Because we're actually shifting the attention to something other than the mind where we, spend, we can spend so much time just going around and around and around in stories of the past and, and futurizing and fantasizing uh, about the future and making comments and analyzing and judgments about the present. And we can often just kind of go round and round and round, forget that we have a body, not really being connected very much at all to our body. So through the practice, as we start to shift the attention and nudge the attention more into the body, it's, it, it releases, it starts to disengage our attention from being so caught up in the mind. We might begin then to feel what's happening in the body, to, to, um, uh, to uh, start to sense 
this body in a whole different way. And as we sense the body, then the senses come alive, the seeing and the hearing and the tasting and the smelling, because we're available. The attention is available for experience, rather than just being so bound up in our thinking. And the stories that we get pulled into that might not even have so much connection with reality. We start to question, we start to doubt, we start to wonder, what, is, what, is, what are all these stories <laughs> that, I, that I find myself caught up in? What happens if I begin to just let go a little bit more to disengage a little bit more and see what might happen in my experience in a very different way. There's a teacher named Reggie Ray who's connected with a, a center called Ocean Dharma. And he talks about this, uh, he calls this a somatic descent. Soma, soma is body. So descending into the body. So somatic descent. And he talks about three dimensions of the body, right, which I think are very interesting. And he says, we st- he starts with the physical, which is sort of the envelope of the skin, right? It's how we, how we think of the body, how we know the body. It's enveloped by the skin. And this is the physical, the physical body. But he says, as we start to descend, meaning our attention starts to become more subtle, and we start to become in contact with more of the subtle aspects of our experience, we move into the second dimension of the body, which is called the interpersonal or the relational, where we actually begin to be in relationship with our environment, both inner and outer. It's like we can start to engage more fully with when the sun is shining in the sky, Tonight, and I saw it last night too, the moon, that there's a crescent moon with a, I don't know, probably somebody knows what star that is right next to the moon, but this beautiful, bright crescent moon with a star right above it. It's probably Venus or Jupiter or something like that. And it's just so exquisite. And and because I have access to awareness, to embodiment, then I can come into relationship with that beautiful night sky. I'm available for that. There's a relationship happening. Might be relationship with, there's been some animals around on the land. I was sitting here um, during one of the meditations and towards the end when I opened my eyes, there were a whole flock of turkeys out there on the the, uh, hillside. And there's this moment of being in relationship with the turkeys, being available for that joy, that pleasure that starts to arise in my body. Right? Because I'm not lost, I'm not caught up in some kind of uh, memory or fantasy or worrying or uh, uh, agitation. And it's like available, this interpersonal, relational a way of being engaged with our, our experience inter- internally and externally. And then he says the third, the third dimension of the body, he calls the cosmic. Well, we get cosmic here, right? 
So the cosmic is the subtle body, right? It's not just the skin, not just the organs, the muscles, the bones. It's not just our experience of being in relationship with our environment, but it's the subtle body where we start to feel things and sense things at more of an elemental, kind of just a subtle, vibrational, energetic, on a very, sometimes hardly can name it, kind of light and, and uh, warmth and a temperature and different, different feeling tones that move through the body. We start to experience ourselves. Um, we might say the body, he calls it the body of the natural world, where that sense of self and other the, the me and the other, start to dissolve. And we feel ourselves more integrated and interconnected with the elements of, of the world, where there's not so much different difference. And then the body, the body, can we really say where the body ends and where the body begins? There's this sense of that definition and that solidity of the body starting to dissolve into these elements and and that sense of separation just starts to melt away, right? We might not even be able to locate the me, the sense of me, the self so completely, we just feel more connected. Sometimes we might feel like the whole world is our body. The whole universe is our body, right? So this this sense of the cosmic. So we descend. There is a sense of as the mind becomes more subtle, our attention becomes more subtle, we're more available for experience, we start to enter into these different dimensions of our experience that may not be so available when we're in our ordinary thinking mind, our busyness, the activity, the engagement of our mind, the way we often are in our daily life. So we might say that meditation is a shifting into that which is more subtle. We become more subtle in our way of being. Because the ordinary mind, as we know it, begins to drop. It's a dropping, a descending into the body. And as we descend the attention into the body, one of the first places that we touch is the heart. This emotional heart, which we have a heart center, Right? It's really near our, or the heart, the, the organ of the heart. But it's, it's the, what we call the emotional center where we actually start to feel. <laughs> we feel the, the, we are moved, we are touched. There's an emotional connection through the heart. So as we descend and the heart energy becomes more available, we do feel, we may feel the movements of sadness, we may feel the grief, we may feel the joy, the excitement, the happiness, the whole range of our emotional experience comes into play, it comes into awareness. In a way we might say that in the meditation we're changing the frequency, like we change the channel, right? Rather than just being on one channel that is seeing the world in a certain way and having stories and comments and analyzing and, you know, about how the world is, there's a dropping into something 
that is more subtle in our experience. Because the thinking mind is too gross for this. We can't use our thinking mind to go into these more subtle dimensions of our experience. The thinking mind is not refined enough to begin to examine the nature of consciousness, to really know the mind and to know consciousness as it really is, to explore these more subtle dimensions of reality. We cannot use the mind, the thinking mind. So so the meditation is really supporting us to begin to disengage the mind, the thinking mind, the conceptual mind. Because if we don't, then we're going to stay on that one channel. <laughs> and that one channel has, has a lot to do with why we get caught up in alternative realities, <laughs> which we sometimes call fake news, right? It's not true. It's not true. It's not real. It's made up. So, so we're wanting to begin to see what it's like, and it will happen, it naturally happens when you come on a retreat. There really isn't any way to avoid it, even though you might think that you're not having an experience of becoming more subtle. I can guarantee you that you already have <laughs> today. It's just that everybody's now in doing the same thing, we're all here in the same environment, so we don't really have anything to compare it to. However, even if you went to downtown Fairfax tonight, you'd already feel like, oh, wow, I'm not in the same place I was 24 hours ago. It's a a natural shift that starts to happen as we come more into the silence and the solitude, bringing the qualities of interest, curiosity, willingness, the... uh, uh, the real pull and the call to be here to look more deeply into the nature of our experience. Cynthia Bourgeau, this wonderful um, uh, 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 Christian mystic and priest, she has this wonderful qu- quote where she says, we, when we start to shift the frequency and shift the channel, she said, we go to a place where thoughts do not affix themselves to the bait dangled by the imagination. Where thoughts do not affix themselves to the bait dangled by the imagination. I think that's so lovely the way she put it because it's like the imagination is baiting us. It's like, come, come, come. I want you to spend time in this fantasy. I want you to spend time in this memory. I want you to spend time in, the, in this past. And we get, we get seduced, we get pulled in, we get, it works, right? So as we start to shift this frequency and shift the channels, we're not so easily pulled in. We don't get, we don't get caught in the same ways that we have. And we start to descend, we start to feel, we start to sense, come more into the emotional quality of our experience. And then there's a way that the mind and the emotions, or we might say the mind and the heart, come together. And in, 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 in our Buddhist teachings, we call this citta, C-I-T-T-A. There's the Pali word from the, uh, the ancient language, it's citta. It's mind-heart. 
right? So the, the thinking mind drops into the heart where we feel more of the emotional quality and connect through the connection of the body, the senses, the, the reality, the immediacy, the intimacy of what's happening moment to moment to moment. And when we, in this practice, when we lose that, then we have the intention to come back, the intention to come back, returning back, returning back, come back, return back. We do it a thousand times of the, in the day because it's completely natural for the mind to get distracted. It's what minds do. <laughs> it's what minds do. There's no way around it. Right. So our practice is just to notice that, to be aware of that, to be mindful of it, recognize it, and then have the interest and the intention to come back. Because we have some sense of why, why it's important to do that. Because we want to live our lives in reality, in the here and now. I mean, in fact, that's the only way we can live our life. There is no living our life in any other way. This is where life happens. So we establish mindfulness in the body. This is where we begin. This is where the Buddha, as Howie was speaking about this morning, this is where the teachings point us. And how he referred to one of the teachings from the texts, the suttas, the discourses of the Buddha this morning. And I want to read one more because when, we, when I hear these texts, these teachings, it really reinforces the simplicity. It's not an esoteric practice. It's not a complicated practice that we're doing here. It's a simple practice that the, where we, how we direct our attention. And we begin by directing the attention to the body. And this is from one of the, the suttas uh, that's translated from the, book, from the ancient language, the Pali language, uh, into English. It goes like this. And just to say that for um, 200 years after the time of the Buddha, which was 2,600 years ago, the, these teachings of the Buddha were communicated orally. Nothing was written down. So the way that they remembered and they taught the teachings from the Buddha were all through memory. And, and then, then repeating the teaching. And then it was about 200, 300 years later that they actually got written down. <laughs> so um, these are as close to the teachings of the Buddha that we have. Who knows what the Buddha actually really did teach. <laughs> but this is what we got. Right, so this is what we're practicing. <laughs> so this is from one of the, 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 the teachings, and, and, the, and again, the Buddha asks, and how is mindfulness immersed in the body developed? How is it pursued so as to be of great fruit and great benefit? Right? These are the questions. These are the same questions that we're asking here. And the Buddha says, there is the case where a monk... And how he reminded us this morning that a monk means all genders and, and all those who are un, not gendered, non-gendered, binary, or what that word, uh, sometimes those, that language still is a little unavailable to me. 
There is a case where a monk, having gone to the wilderness, to the shade of a tree, to an empty hut, sits down, folding their legs crosswise, holding their body erect, and setting mindfulness to the fore. Always mindful, he breathes breathes in. Mindful, he breathes out. Breathing in long, he discerns that he is breathing in long. Or breathing out long, he discerns that he is breathing out long. Or breathing in short, he discerns that he is breathing in short. Or breathing out short, he discerns he is breathing out short. That mindfulness of the quality of breath. She trains herself to breathe in, sensitive to the entire body. To breathe out, sensitive to the entire body. She trains herself to breathe in, calming the the breath. And to breathe out, calming the breath. And she remains thus heedful, ardent, and resolute. Any memories or resolves related to the household life, right, the household life, are abandoned, are let go of. And with their abandoning, her mind gathers and settles inwardly, grows unified and centered. This is how a monk develops mindfulness immersed in the body. So you see, this is where we begin. And then he goes on, says, furthermore, when walking, the monk discerns that she is walking. When standing, she discerns that she is standing. When sitting, she discerns that she is sitting. When lying down, she discerns that she is lying down. See, we didn't just make this up. <laughs> All right. We're just following along what the way we were trained, you know, which all come from the teachings of the Buddha. And they're so simple. That's what, why we can, it's doable. We can do this practice because it's easy to do once we put ourselves in the form and then learn how to be more present with the fullness of our experience without resisting and without um, rejecting, without grasping, without holding on. And then it goes on, however her body is disposed, that is how she discerns it. And as she remains thus heedful, ardent, and resolute, again, letting go of the memories of the, of the household life, uh, gathering and settling inwardly, unified and centered. Furthermore, when going forward and returning, he makes himself fully alert when looking toward and looking away, when bending and extending their limbs, when carrying their outer cloak, upper robe and bowl, when eating, drinking, chewing and savoring, when urinating and defecating, when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking and remaining silent. (laughs) He makes himself fully alert. And as they remain and as they and, and as they remain thus heedful, ardent, and resolute, any memories and resolves related to the household life are abandoned, and with their abandoning, their mind gathers and settles inwardly, grows unified and centered. This is how a monk develops mindfulness immersed in the body. So this is what we've been encouraging today. Just this level of simplicity. And the simplicity is this descending of the attention. 
descending the attention so that we can we use the the contact with the with the feet on the earth on the ground we use the contact of the body on the seat on the chair on the cushion descending with the attention feeling sensing being present with and that includes then the coming into contact with the heart with the emotional heart it's not like we're trying to shut that down or not feel or somehow have that out of the way <laughs> like somehow we're supposed to overcome having any emotional experience as we come more fully into the body we come in contact with the heart and if we allow that quality of presence and allow ourselves to feel what's there and not only allow but then begin to to learn how to stay present with that so that we don't both fall in too far where we are really suffering in a lot of pain which we'll talk more about and we're not then rejecting it because we don't want to feel it or we have all kinds of ideas of what it means about me that this is going on but that more and more we learn and and this will be a, a lot of what we're offering here is how do we stay present even when things are more difficult when 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 our experience becomes more challenging because it does because that's the nature of our of our of our existence is there is pain there is suffering there is challenge there is difficulty and so it it's not it is not lost on us that one of the reasons that we don't want to descend into the body is because we don't want to touch the pain we don't want to go to those places that are hard and they're challenging and painful and so there's so much learning and to dis- so much to discover how do we do that how do we actually allow ourselves to descend more fully and to embrace our experience with love and compassion and care and respect and honoring what we touch what begins to open up for us what begins to get revealed to us as we become more aware as we become more awake because as we become more awake we open to the full range of of life and experience which means we open to the full range of the on the one extreme the 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 pleasure and the uh, the joy and the exquisiteness of this life all the way to the other end of that trajectory which is the pain and the suffering that is here in this life. So it's a interesting kind of paradox in a way that we are inviting you in, inviting you to a more open-hearted relationship with experience. But at the same time knowing 
that it can get more difficult. And yet there's a beautiful way that as we become, we have more capacity for mindfulness, for grounding, for staying present in our experience, it actually gives us more capacity to be with what's difficult. It's like the two go together. It's, a, it's an interesting juxtaposition in the way that it works. We're not just kind of thrown into the deep end without having our resources available to us. But as we do the practice, we're actually developing more resources so that we can meet experience as it is. And I suppose there's a point at which we have to trust that. We have to sort of trust or have faith in the teachers or the teachings or the practices that, you know, maybe we're not quite so sure that we want to go in <laughs> and descend and, you know, start to open up and find out what's actually there. And, you know, but yet there's this invitation, right? We're inviting you. We have all the support, all the conditions here to uh, be here for you as you start to take this journey. And what's wonderful is that not only is it, do we meet some of the pain, but we also meet this exquisite joy. The more that we open, we open to all of it. This, this incredible beauty and exquisiteness of this life as well as that which is really tragic and painful. It's all here. It's all here. And in some ways, it all needs to be known. If we really are going to awaken, it means awakening to all of it. So with mindfulness, we might say that we uh, cultivate this capacity and this willingness to come close to our experience a willingness to come close, close in to whatever is here. And I think really only by coming close can the mind and the heart begin to open into compassion. When we really start to see clearly with our eyes open, with our heart open what's here, that the heart of compassion can open. Otherwise, there's a way we stay closed off. We're just kind of putting up some barriers. We're kind of putting up some walls and saying, but that's okay, but not this, right? And then we're actually not, we don't have as much of the compassionate heart available to us. But as we open, we open the heart. We open the beautiful qualities of our heart and our being of love and compassion, of joy, of equanimity, this balance of mind, all these become more and more available to us. Otherwise, we're just falling into the trap of repeating the same old, same old, same old habits again and again, just like the hamster on the wheel, just going round and round and round. And in the Buddhist tradition, we actually have the symbol of the wheel of birth, aging, sickness, and death. 
just going round and round and round and round, not being able to get off the wheel. And that's what they're doing downstairs. <laughs> they're talking about the wheel of birth, aging, sickness, and death, and the freedom, the way to be free, the way to escape. Right. I have a quote, if I can find it. This is from Jung, wonderful psychologist, master, C.G. Jung. He says, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. The the latter procedure, however, is disagreeable and therefore not so popular. (laughs) Right? But we want to wake up. I think each person in this room wants to wake up. We wake up from ignorance called avija. We wake up from the ways that we don't know, ways we stay unconscious. We can't see, we get lost. And it's really through this veil, sometimes called the veil of ignorance, where we can't see very clearly, things are distorted, not able to see what's real. This is truly where all the pain in the world arises from, which is based in fear. All the racism, all the corruption, all the hate crimes, all the wars, all the genocide, all the cruel and horrific and tragic things that are happening in this world all arise from this ignorance. And the lack of capacity to be able to see, because once we see, we can no longer do the things that cause, that are the cause of so much pain and suffering in this world. We wake up and we feel the willingness to begin to come close in, to come close in so that we can start to understand, to learn, to, to see in a bigger, the bigger picture of what's actually going on here. And to see how within our own minds and heart, how our own actions are arising out of self-interest and greed and hate. We see it within our own mind. The mindfulness is only through the mindfulness. It's only through the awareness that we can begin to wake up to what's running through our own mind stream and how that gets projected out and the ways that we cause harm to ourselves and to others. So we wake up. I wanted, I've I've told this story before and maybe some of you have heard it, but Last year I was uh, in New Zealand. I teach in New Zealand. I have a wonderful, I'm so blessed to be able to go there each year and uh, one of my favorite places. And I was staying with a a few friends before the retreat that I was teaching and um, they live out in the country and they wanted to go out and get some organic um, uh, hens, eggs at a chicken farm. And I'd never been to a farm where they were in laying lots of eggs and I was really fascinated to go 
And so we went out to, drove a bit looking for this farm, and as we were driving up, the, we were on the phone with the woman because we weren't sure what to, you know, how to find it. And in, in, in those rural places, there's a place where they put, they're called honesty boxes, and they just put the products in a box, and then you just put money in a slot. So you just take the products and you never see the, the people necessarily. But because we were on the phone with this woman, um, she uh, wanted to actually meet us. So we were out there before she came out and kind of looking at the eggs and, you know, getting the eggs and noticed that there were lots of chickens, lots of hens and lots of chickens, um, but they were all in, inside, all kind of um, bunched up, kind of in the, in the barn. They were, there were like two barns, there were hundreds of chickens just kind of all like, all, they looked like they were just uh, kind of not very happy chickens. And I started getting a little righteous, self-righteous, thinking, wait a minute, this is supposed to be organic, cage-free hens, you know, and they look like they're really packed in there, and they don't look, this doesn't look like an organic farm, this doesn't look like a, what, you know, like what it's advertised to be, and I started to get quite judgmental and self-righteous and, you know, had an attitude and... Um, thought that I knew about hens and chickens, and I mean, I've never been to a chicken farm before. You know? <laughs> All of a sudden, I became the expert, you know, on what was happening with these chickens. And so, so then the woman comes out to, to greet us, and, and, you know, I was a little like, hmm, I'm going to find out, like, why are all these chickens in these barns, you know, if, uh, if this is an organic, cage-free place? Because there are lots of open spaces where, where, the, where the, the hens could go. And she just looked, she was very cheery and very bright and looked at me and she said, oh, the chickens don't want to be outside right now because it was raining. They all go inside the barn when the, when the grass is wet because they don't like it out there. <laughs> so all the doors are open, they can go out anytime they want, you know, it's all free. And I was just like, you know, sort of like that egg on your face kind of like, you know, here I was just getting all uppity, you know, about what I thought this was all about. And I was like, of course, you know, they, they, the hens know what they're doing. They don't want to be out in the wet grass. <laughs> and it was because I'm willing to go close to my experience, because I'm interested and curious about what's happening in my mind and my heart, I really could feel how judgmental I got, how contracted I got, you know, how irritated I got, you know, I had all these kind of ideas and opinions about this woman and her, how she's running her farm. And, and I just felt all this remorse. And I could see so clearly how quickly, and this is last year, you know, I, I could see how quickly the mind moves into making assumptions and ideas and um, uh, stories about what we think is going on, perhaps without even really finding out what's true. Coming in close, being willing to find out. And of course, we'll make mistakes. We, you know, get very righteous, lots of self-interest in us, get greedy and, and hateful about things. But can we be interested in that? Can we be willing to come close to our experience to see what we can discover? Be willing to understand 
about how we individually are generating more pain and suffering internally and externally in this world. How we make assumptions, we create stories, maybe without questioning, without considering that maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not true. The stories we make up about ourselves, the stories we make up about others, about what's happening in the world. Only as we begin to descend, letting the mindfulness descend into the body, into the heart, to the feelings and the emotions, and becoming aware, mindfully aware of what's happening and be willing to see it as it is without then adding more judgment, without adding more anger, without adding more irritation towards ourselves because we just saw something that we didn't like. This stepping back, just stepping back, stepping back into the awareness where the awareness itself is not rejecting and it's not grasping, it's not judging, it doesn't care. The awareness just sees clearly the way things are. So we're stepping back into the awareness, falling back into that pure, benevolent, kind awareness that just sees. Sees what's happening. We become more like a silent witness. the witness. It's like sometimes like sitting at the movie theater we're watching a movie. It's like we're just watching. Just the witness. And yet in the meditation not only are we watching a movie but we come into view as well. Right? We watch this. <laughs> this happening. And hopefully we can more and more witness, watch, monitor, observe, be with in a way that is respectful, is honoring, is caring about what we see, is interested, is willing to come close. Just end now this quote from Zigar Kontrol, this wonderful Tibetan master who said, If you make the tender heart your highest priority, your mind will feel more and more at ease, more and more in harmony with the world. Just sit quietly for a moment. You can just stay in the posture you're in. Just take a few moments of silence.
Thank you for your attention. So we have about 20 minutes or so for some walking practice now. Um, I think, is there, is there a bell? Is there somebody who's supposed to do the clacking at, at 9 o'clock? Does somebody have that? I think we're going to merge um, with the, they'll ring a bell for the, the they're going to start at 9 o'clock. And we were supposed to start at 9.05. So why don't we just merge that? <laughs> so, because otherwise it could be a little confusing. So you'll hear a bell at about, probably about 10 to 9. But just know that you can take a little time, come back, we'll start about 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock here for our last sitting. A little bit shorter, we'll have a little chanting also. So, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.